1: Uh, i uh i tend to go and see all my family uh beforehand uh because trying to travel on christmas week uh with the uk trains being what they are in, across all sorts of years not even in factoring in the strikes at the moment it's not a good idea so i um yeah and, and you're sounds... talking
2: to a crowd of people who know exactly what it's like to have a very robust rail system that's not functioning at 100 percent. and we're all we've all had that frustration <laughs> i didn't know how we're much really... you'd be able to yeah, empathize with that one sure no, but yeah
0: buddy i get it get <laughs> it
2: god anybody else hate when their gold bathtub their solid gold bathtub uh just isn't as shiny as it as Oh as I am a, a, absolutely a
1: living example of first world problems <laughs> trust me uh, mm-hmm. Yeah Americans take co- note that. that
2: we can't partake in first world problems hmm hmm <laughs> We start in the sky. A ship hovering above a large, rolling, verdant expanse. Far beneath them, vanishingly far beneath the Uhuru, is a forest. Every forest. The Queen's infinite forest. We can see the wind passing through the trees. A frothing rage of branches threatening the ship above with the ground below. The Uhuru is climbing, higher, higher than the clouds, higher than where most ships would travel, looking for where the forest ends. The queen has the ability to make her forest and those who are inside it stretch on to wander forever. But the queen does not own the sky. And so long as the Uhuru has fuel to burn, they should be able to rise above and find an escape. Out of immediate danger, the crew of the Uhuru is left with a short intense period where they must think through the adventure that they have just gone on before they have a vision of the future that they are headed towards they must contemplate their past and their present.
0: Uh, I was just going to ask, what time of day is it? Or what time?
2: Um, I believe we just transitioned, and I can't remember if we... I, oh, we transitioned out of night. So this mm-hmm. is, like, early morning.
0: Okay. I think Jonnet is at the front of the ship. I think he's, like, on the uh, on the deck, like... Right where, right where he would be if he was going to jump off to, like the the fractured um, statue at the front. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think he's just kind of like, there are no stars out to to speak of right now. So he's just kind of like, ah, oh, what's the point? And so, like, he's just kind of like looking out over this like wide expanse of of trees, um, and. I think he, you see him you see him like take out his map I I I feel like this would be one of those things where it's like this doesn't really register on on his map he doesn't exactly know exactly where he is and so it feels a little futile and he's just going to like take out his map look out look to the left look right nothing is ringing a bell is uh and he's just like kind of a little frustratedly just like crumples up Bunches up the map and kind of stuffs stuffs it in his bag again.
2: There is, there are probably a few questions that Jonat might have as he is trying to contemplate place. Um, there is the question of Acheron itself. Mm-hmm. At this point, we don't know if the town and indeed community were simply swallowed by the forest and might be lost within, um, and I- that raises the specific question of Jonet's father and sister who were with him.
0: So is there, um, is there any kind of like, are there stories of this forest and like the scale of like, like what is the largest thing to have disappeared into the forest, the Queen's Forest?
2: Oh that that we could know of. That Johnny that's, would know of. That's a great question. And I think the best way to answer it is gonna be drawing a luminary. <laughs> a luminary.
3: <laughs> Isn't it gonna be sad that we're not gonna get the changeling anymore now that Johnny's gone?
2: Uh, you know, I'm truly prepared for the Changeling and the Forest Queen to simply somehow never again show up on the show. <laughs> every tr- every time you draw it, it just bursts into flames. Ha! Oh, ha!
3: <laughs> Johnny texts you. What are you, what, are you <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, what's up?
2: <laughs> hey my my butt itches. Are you guys are you are guys you? drawing luminaries? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> there he is. Yeah. There's our okay. special boy. It has to happen. butthole is hitching.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Meaning right. that we have drawn the changeling. Good, good. Our <laughs> special <laughs>
3: boy.
2: Impulse, will, and transformation. Uh, like at this point, it is both historical fact and also like legend because this happened probably around 180 190 years ago but there was a city a city that sat like right next to a forest uh like a big metropolis one of the largest population centers that managed to survive the initial starfall and you know like 10 to 20 years after the stars fell it was swallowed in its entirety by the forest. There are a lot of conflicting accounts about exactly what happened. You know, some say uh, uh, people made a bad deal with the queen. Uh, some say people, like, incurred her wrath. Some say it was completely unprovoked and like, the forest, like, almost like a tsunami welled up and they just crashed over the walls of this city. Regardless, the result is this city is off the map. People used to you know probably visit this place on Griffin back because this is before uh there were the skyships that you use today. like all it was still a factor. There were people living in it, um people probably surviving in part off of what they get from that forest and suddenly gone and Jonathan, I feel like this is just you know one of the stories that hip has told you and that is a particularly galling and draining thing on your mind now because you know this story and you can scarcely say how you know it you remember the information but you don't remember hearing how the information was told to you and that leads you to know exactly where the information came from
0: Um yeah and so I think yeah, I think the 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 crunching the scrunching of the of the map, yeah, definitely has much more like desperation to it. Um and so yeah, he's going to he's gonna like crumple up the map, he's gonna put it in his bag, and then like he's just kinda kinda gonna pace. He's pacing uh I would say that like he jumps up on the railing on the deck and it's just kind of like pacing up and down the front of the ship. Um just kind of like looking for anything. Cause I I he's he's pacing around trying to trying to keep the thought of this is Hearth all over again. This is Hearth. This is Hearth. Akron's the new Hearth out of his head. And like he's not doing a good job. Um and so maybe he like I feel like there's gotta be someone in the crew that keeps like uh some kind of telescope on them that's maybe not the captain. And I feel like maybe he's gonna like uh he's going to pace a little bit and then he's going to think of them and like maybe like go down go below deck and like maybe try to either ask for or just like borrow the their like telescope to try and wayfind a little bit
2: yeah i kind of like i like the idea so there there are two options for you there's mm-hmm. one whomever is in the crow's nest right now um or as you said somebody below deck like within the belly of the ship who like watches the world from there which which do you prefer
0: i i yeah i think it's like it's definitely crow's nest and i think Jonnet is going to he's going to stop pacing he's going to look up at the the crow's nest and he's going to start climbing and then he's going to get to the top and he's very uh much more like uh short than uh, another version of Jonet just gonna essentially ask for the room. He's like, I'll, I got the watch here. I've got the watch. You can get out of here.
1: Oh, uh, sh- 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 sure, sure thing. Yeah, thanks. Are you, are you sure you're gonna be all right?
0: Yeah, and then he he just like holds out his hand and is like,
1: uh. Oh, uh... there's a moment of hesitation. Yeah, whatever you need. Gives you the telescope. Um,
2: Nathan. And so. Mm -hmm. It sounds like this person is younger than Jonnet, which makes me think this is one of the sickly orphans that we have (laughs) aboard the ship. (laughs) Which means the question that I have for you, like, Mm -hmm. I think this person is maybe a year younger than Jonnet. But obviously, Jonnet has been through all of these adventures. Jonnet has been in the thick of, like some of the most dangerous things the Uhuru has experienced over the last several months. Mm-hmm. So I want to know how is this person who is essentially Jonat's age looking at Jonat right now as he's like just kind of come up, requested their duty, relieved them of duty, and like sent them off.
1: Uh so this orphan, now orphan, uh Gwen, <laughs> I think, she because we have the whole process of um they get to decide whether they stay on on board yes. and continue to help so she is pretty privy to the recent series of events and there has now been almost an immediate snapshot of uh jonnet in his birthday sunday best beaming having finally become a man and from our perspective not even really 24 hours later this <laughs> hollow and horribly shaken version of the exact same person i think every person that she knows on the ship has had this moment of going from pride to despair in such a short period of time and even she i suppose so she understands but isn't really in a position to pry on exactly what horrors uh Jonah has seen so she's just very you know if 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 you need anything, please do say. We're all here to help. If if you need um, it,
0: I'm good, thank you. Yes, you, uh, of, of course. Um. Uh, and
2: go ahead, go ahead.
0: Uh, and so I think from there, he like he like takes the he takes the telescope. He like starts to put it up, and then he he just like kind of surveys the the areas like there is nothing that is discernible. Like, and I think he, his, his shoulders are, are very heavy and very tight. And he's just like, he sighs at the futility of what he's about to do. And then he puts the telescope up and starts like, like looking around. Mm.
2: All right. We will, we'll cut from there. I do just want to point out how much I love that. John had his 16th birthday and like snapping our fingers, we're on his moody teen arc. Which <laughs> <laughs> That's I could love that more if I tried. <laughs> mm-hmm. The
3: moment you get into freshman year, it hits real, <laughs> real hard.
1: It comes for everyone. Yeah, yeah, exact same time.
2: Next, oh god, I am really debating whether we need to move to Gable or Oramar next. Like everybody's carrying some heavy, heavy weight.
3: I'm. I was gonna say, for me, I think Gable is making their way to Orimar anyway.
2: Okay. okay. So let's. So then we will do Oromar next because mm. Gable will come to bring the threads together. Okay.
1: So Orimar is in the kind of like bathrooms. He's sitting in a bath. Um, Orimar, while dead has had to clean himself times before he doesn't sweat but just the nature of having to be out in the world means the body needs maintenance but this is an actual bath that he has not had in six months the actual the muscle memory of making it is still there but the sensation of sitting in a in a pool of warm water is intolerable it feels awful the 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 (laughs) the the sensation across his skin and actually processing the idea of heat and moisture is miserable
2: now i i think like orimar um has so much in common with with like some of our uh, autistic listeners right now in that he feels all of his clothes on his body. He feels every nerve ending that is in contact with this warm water. For so long, he has not had these physical experiences and now suddenly it's on all the time and everywhere.
1: Mm. And it's taking... I think he's actually having to use the processes that he does in combat to be able to block out extraneous information, to be able to focus on the task at hand. So just taking this bath has put him in fight mode, essentially, just to stop him (laughs) from bodily getting back out of the bath again and being like, I can't take this. This is awful. So I hate it. Uh, the
0: opposite of what you wanted him I know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, he's, he's surrounded by
1: bubbles. Just
2: <sighs> Yeah, I, I do want to set the, the scene a little bit here because I am so intrigued by there being baths aboard the Uhuru, but the more that I think about it, the more it makes sense to me because we have, like, as part of all skyships, Furnaces. Um, mm. like those are there there are, you know, three to four furnaces on this ship. So there is the luxury of being able to heat water. And we know uh, from Bathroom Barry that there are beautiful bathroom mm-hmm. stalls aboard mm-hmm. the Uhuru. And I think in similar like grand fashion, there are these baths. So I feel like we see like either brass or 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 copper like piping Mm -hmm. uh that feeds like this large tub and maybe like there are rows of tubs in in the same way there were rows of uh like actual bathroom stalls in this separate place but i gotta feel like it is similarly opulently decorated um (laughs) yes i i would very much lots of
1: uh lacquered paneled wood i think it has a very alpine kind of feel Mm -hmm. you know to to make to make the baths marble too would just be too ostentatious even for bathroom barry um
3: too so heavy (laughs) yes yes bathroom barry is just like there's a
2: lot you can accomplish with a good stain and some lacquer you don't need to Mm -hmm. go overboard
3: very diy Mm But uh, yeah,
1: you know, what would be uh, a moment of like relaxation and centering uh, just as kind of continued this um, entirely new hurdle for Oromar to have to cope with and deal with? Uh, At the time, um, Travis may have thought that. the captain being alive again would be a blessing but at the moment where things currently are Oromar can only see it as a curse eventually the sensation is just too much and he's like this is fine um and gets back out uh and changes back into back into kind of like clothes to make his way um to his office uh, because he needs to reseed his dreads, which is also something that has not been done properly in the last six months. Mm. Um yeah, and... not since
2: Dref died.
0: Six months, that's so much. Uh. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh and uh I-, I think he's having um some physical trouble with it. There's also muscle memory here. He knows how to do this. But the way that he was able to pilot his body before um while still nuanced was in very broad strokes and this is something that requires such fine dexterity he hasn't tried writing anything yet he almost doesn't dare but this process is even though he knows what to do is taking him too long and uh whenever uh the narrative resumes with other people he's in the middle of doing so uh, if interrupted
2: yeah I think, like, one thing that I would like to clarify with this is it's probably because Oromar is caught between controlling his body in the natural, instinctual way that all of us as living beings control our own bodies Mm -hmm. and controlling his body as a necromantic thing. Mm. He used to have to think about literally everything he did, at least in some way. I mean... A good analogy for for anybody who lives in our world is a video game where you input every movement deliberately that you do instead of doing all of it instinctually, even if some of it is wrapped up in muscle memory. That used to be how Oromar had to just live his life. Now he is back in a body and probably his mind and spirit are fighting over that a little bit.
1: Yeah, I was going to I was going to ask. Uh, Oromar tries to look inward. Um, I'm I, I'm not somebody who's uh, uh, who's tried meditating, and I don't think I would necessarily be capable of it. My mind is too fried. But uh, he tries to look inwards at his own soul, which I don't think is something a person normally knows how to do. But you know, um, he he's previously aware of the physicality of his own soul and tries to do so now. Is that even possible?
2: Well, I have just drawn the children, um, uh, also known as the angels, which represent consequence, inevitability, and eternity. And I kind of think, based on the experiences that Orimar has had, um, and this being so recent after coming back into his physical body, mm-hmm. I feel like you are walking along, and then suddenly, very quickly. You find yourself pulled back into your mind palace like the world is so loud. There is so much experience, uh, like so many physical sensations and also what you are weighing on your mind, the conversations that you had with the queen, your plans for the future, your feelings for the people who are so close to you in your life. What the Mm. green hearts taunted you with the idea that perhaps you have been walking down this path so resolutely you have been willing to burn the things that are actually most important to you. Mm. All of that swirling torment trying to turn it off and suddenly you are in the mind palace once more.
1: It feels a little different. Now that the body has its own uh, functions back, it, it, it's actually almost as if uh, rather than sitting in this uh, giant ma- manner held up with a million spider strings, it now feels more like um, sitting on a train late at night going somewhere else. Uh, you stare out the window and through the murky glass, you can kind of see the rest of the world continue to move inevitably in a direction, but you don't actually have control over that here. You are you're not the conductor driving this train. Another force is doing so. It's still you technically moving this train along and its destination, but you're not moving it from here. Not anymore. Yeah.
2: Um. What, what I am curious about Uh. But I want to define a few things now because I think this is a unique meditative state that probably only Oramar Vale and arguably Dref are the two people in history who have ever been able to achieve an awareness of their own soul and the separation between their soul and their body mm-hmm. and enter a place like like retreat into their souls. So I want to know a little bit about it. The, the first is are you still experiencing um the outside world as you are looking through this window? Like are you just kind of faintly feeling feelings and physical sensations or are they separated from you?
1: I I think I previously kind of described the the sensations that were coming in when Omar was dead was essentially data mm. and uh looking at it from this perspective it still becomes data again like we're, we're looking at this in a, a series of uh, pressures and uh, and sensors but there is context now that was a whole bunch of arbitrary information that orimar had to learn to process and re-understand there is actually now context for what we're seeing and mm. feeling and that is now there but it's almost as if there is now a layer of what that information means on top of it in if Orimar was in a better headspace, he may even consider this useful. Uh, right now, it is just frustrating.
2: the The next question that I have is: Orimar and Dref basically established controls these these strings or webs that they used to operate Orimar's body as though they were programming a machine. Mm-hmm. Do these controls still exist within this space, or? when you re-entered the living world, did they kind of evaporate?
1: I wonder what it feels for somebody who is a marionette when the puppet starts moving on its own, but you're still holding the crossbars. And we will leave it at that.
2: (laughs) If we know anything from Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, horrifying and chaotic. Oh Mm. my God. Oh Mm. my God. That little wooden (laughs) boy. So much trouble. Mm Um
3: but that's the point you can't you, you have you get the little boys you get and you don't try to make them other little boys that's the mm-hmm. lesson
2: well that and a little boy is only a little boy if it can die yes um mm-hmm. if it can't die it's not a, boy. <laughs> not a little
3: boy anymore
2: that's the most important thing about being a real person is the ability to die according <laughs> to that film
1: that, that makes fun. that very complicated for most of this cast but okay <laughs> uh. yeah. Um, Yeah, I think this show
2: explicitly disagrees with Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Um,
1: (laughs) (laughs) But yes, uh, I I think the spider strings are moving on their own because the subconscious that's making this body move through instinct is helping this body walk down the corridor of the Uhuru to the captain's quarters without banging into any walls or any people. And the body's just doing that.
2: So the body is still moving. Mm. That's interesting. That's a really, really fascinating thing to be aware of now. And Oromar's skill set is his body can now move, like partially because of the systems that were established by both Oromar and Dref, uh, without consciousness within it at all, which I think there are a lot of interesting and like exploitable things about that Oromar's body might be able to fight like completely separately from Oromar's soul now, based on that idea, which I think is really, really cool.
1: Yes, um, although Oromar's body cannot take this kind of damage that Oromar's body used to be able to. <laughs>
2: absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> nobody's questioning that, but <laughs> I am just fascinated at like a point where maybe your ghost jumps out of your body and like flanks the person that you're yeah, fighting mm-hmm, with mm-hmm, ghost mm-hmm, swords. <laughs> Really cool stuff. Um, the last question that I have is We knew previously that Oromar had come to be able to see and interact with his body more like a tool, device, or machine than a part of himself, to the point that he actually remolded his flesh and bone to become weapons. My question to you, Nathan. Is that potential still there?
1: Oh. Knock, knock. Who's there? Spoiler bot. Oh, yeah. man. Uh, spoiler bottle of that, please.
2: <laughs> oh, gosh. I love that. Oromar is kind of struck with all of this as his body continues to navigate down the halls and we can see uh, there are crew members like who move around Oromar. Um, This is the captain, you know, striding from the baths uh, back to the captain's quarters and there are plenty of crew members that he passes and really everyone is kind of going through their own stuff right now. We have all been through a harrowing experience. Despite that, the way Oromar goes through stuff, the way Oromar moves through life, he is experiencing things on a scale that people can only make sense of by narrativizing. Oromar is a figure... As a living person who only makes sense as the hero of a truly fantastic story. Everybody on this crew knows that, really, until a few hours ago, Oromar Vale was dead. And now their captain is not just the man who cheated death, Oromar is inarguably the man who has conquered death. He was struck down. He lived as a dead thing and now he lives again.
1: And he's absolutely miserable for it.
2: But they don't see that. Mm -hmm. Especially as you have retreated into yourself. What they see is Orimar's
1: reflexes,
2: Orimar's default modes of operating. And they just see someone resolutely and confidently walking down a hallway, if silently. And I think... Loramar, you can feel the weight of your presence move through the ship the way a ship on the sea can feel the wake of its presence move through the ocean. You cut aside the crowds, and people look at you in awe, respect, and fear.
1: And yet the captain says nothing to caught up in his own thoughts. And before long, he reaches the door to his office. And uh, it's the sound of the door closing behind him that I think jolts him out of looking internally. The body has now arrived at its destination. A light here for the captain's office. Then let's cut over to Gable.
3: Um, Gable, how long has it been since Travis left? i think hours at this just point. few hours gable has not in not in like the sleeping quarters or anything they are below deck in a particularly dusty corner and they're sort of just sitting on the floor thinking and you can see in the dust on the floor there's a bunch of like patterns and markings that they've drawn out And what they've been trying to do ever since Travis left is try really hard to remember all the stars that they saw in the sky last night, because as soon as Travis left, they started freaking out about, I've seen the same constellations for hundreds of years, I know exactly what's in the sky, and in sort of like an anxious, uh, obsessive sort of way, they're... Double triple checking, like, is this here, is this here? was this here before? Was this here before, so they're just desperately m- mapping through, but can't h- hang on to the memory that well, and so they're just sort of stewing,
2: yeah, I think like the the thing is Gable, we know is not a star watcher, has never studied star watching, and kind of always had this awareness that like. I mean, maybe, maybe I I don't know how long they've had this particular awareness. Um, They must have known that they were a fallen, like, and they had a vague idea that, like, well, stars are angels. And, you know, there's uh, 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 two things that you carried around with you. Those are lights in the sky um, that move around. And those things, like, some of them are like Fred. Like, theoretically, (laughs) I knew that specific guy. This is my friend. Um, My friend
3: used to be in the top right corner. mm -hmm. Is my friend still there?
2: Yeah. So, like, you, like, it used to be like information that you knew, but like was not ever as important as your immediate life as, well, I have to you know, survive or stay secret until the next day, and then I'll think about the day after that, or there are simply too many injustices in this world, and I have to focus on correcting what I can because I both feel compelled to do that and feel that that is the right thing to do. Um, But now, like, you are looking at the fact that there are stars in the sky through a completely different lens those lights that have been above you for 200 years like i feel like in gable's mindscape we can see those things getting closer and closer and closer and the light that is emanating from them resolves to become more complicated with patterns and textures until it is very clear that they are eyes looking down on the world of sphere emanating light from them and that each point of light in the sky is its own being and one of them that sits resolutely above all the others and does not move is the morning star lucifer Hey, heroes, it's James, your game master, and welcome to the mid roll. Heroes, we are so glad to be back with Mainline Campaign. We hope you missed us. SkyJoust will be resuming on its own feed soon. There are a few technical things we need to square away since we found that error, but be sure to watch our mid rolls and our mailing list for news of when it launches. A reminder that the OneShot Podcast Network is going to be at Gen Con again this year, and that part of that will be the SkyJax live show, Saturday at 7 p.m. at the Crown Plaza, Haymarket A. We have confirmed that Nathan Blades is going to be at that show and we're still seeing who else in the cast we're going to be able to get out with us but I can promise you that it's going to be a great show if you're going to Gen Con I suggest you sign up for this show as quickly as possible we have sold out in the past and I don't want anyone to miss it a huge thank you to all of our supporters on Patreon without you we would not be able to make this show we're still working on our budget for next year based on the Patreon drive however this month we are also working to roll out the new rewards that we have for the show So be sure to watch your Patreon feed for updates about that. Now then, a quick word from our sponsor. And with all that out of the way, let's get back in the sky!
3: You may not know this. Um can you tell me if there were more stars in the sky last night?
2: Yes. So there are generally speaking 13 stars in the sky including the morning star. So there are 12 stars and the 13th is the morning star.
3: But um, that's always been the case.
2: That's that's usually the case. If Gable paid more attention, Gable would know sometimes you don't see all 13 stars in the sky Mm -hmm. Um, there. And like part of it might be where you are in sphere. um, But like this is data that like Jonnet probably knows is hotly contested between uh, different uh, star watchers because one star watcher will debate that it is a particular star In the sky or, you know, I think classically through different star watching traditions, each of the stars is named and, you know, they'll be like Polaris was in the sky last night. Last night had Polaris, the morning star, Omicron and Nebula. Like those were the, the four stars that we were able to see. And people will be like, no, 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 no. It wasn't that. It was it was Raphael. Polaris and Nebula that were in the sky with the morning star. And so some nights will have all stars burning bright. Some nights will have a few visible, a few partially visible and star watchers will squabble and argue over which ones were, which, which ones were visible, which ones were invisible. And, uh, if Gable has picked up any of that, they will know. Sometimes the stars are in the sky and sometimes those angels are doing other things what are they doing when they're doing other things what is happening how does heaven work now that the throne is empty
0: is there is is there ever a uh, a moment where it's like holy shit there's a 14th star like has anyone ever looked up and and seen that or is it is it very consistent like it's either well, I got to draw a luminary for that, Tyler. You know fair. I got to draw a luminary <laughs> fair, for that. Fair, fair.
2: <laughs> and I Baker's love, cosmology. I love how much of the cosmology of this whole show depends mm-hmm. on this one luminary pole right
1: here.
3: <laughs> Entire moons die. <laughs> Is it the boy? Is it our sweet boy? So, <laughs> oh, wow. wow wow, wow.
1: Rather,
3: rather, wow. wow. Mm-hmm. the star watcher a bit on the nose it's just a scotch, a, <laughs> a little bit
2: all right let's see what are the themes here guidance wisdom and clarity yes tyler yes there are moments that are recorded in your star watching manuals that We'll have to determine exactly how careful a study Janet has been to the history of this practice and the actual, like, skill of this practice. But there are shooting stars and star watchers hotly debate what a shooting star is. And I think there are times there are like phantom stars, flickers of stars that will appear in the sky or maybe be in a sky and burn out over the course of a night, or appear for a few seconds and then disappear that's that's what that result suggests to me. So they are extremely rare. They are recorded and debated between different star watching traditions and different star watchers. Probably there is no end to the list of theories. Of what is going on. An important thing to think of is most star watchers are not thinking of the stars as the sovereign's angels. They're just seeing them as the lights in the sky that guide their divination practices or their navigation practices that tell them information about the world of Sphere.
3: Knowing what they do now, Gable is sort of just standing up with their hands leaning and pressed on. like a low hanging beam just completely in a spiral in an anxiety spiral just that knowing and unsurety of like sometimes the 13th's not there so the going in and out and who who was there last night who could potentially be down on earth now is just completely annihilating their uh both sense of st- self and their sense of comfort and so yeah. they need to find something to get them out of they need to tell someone or stop this thought process as soon as they can.
2: Yeah. And for, for stage picture, I think one thing that we need to point out is that Gable is doing this contemplation in the area of the ship where they were keeping their rock collection. That's that's what it feels like. This is where they did that ceremony earlier that like kind of knocked them out as they touched the feather and, and retreated into their memories and uh, recalled their history with the morning star. And things swirling around you is like, yeah, who is left, who is gone? And we can see like kind of a a bird's eye view of Gable in this space where they have charted out, like trying to figure out what the constellations were last night. They have like drawn pictures of these various stars and you are currently surrounded by them and probably right at your feet is whatever picture you have drawn to represent the morning star, which I am so curious, Liz, what that looks like. How Gable has drawn that thing.
3: Oh, <laughs> boy. It's probably a little half-hearted, a little bit dusty, but it's a mouth with a tongue.
2: Ooh, I I like how creepy that is. Uh, yeah, and like sort of... Banning out from that, swirling around that are these depictions of the other 12 stars that could exist um, that that are known to be in the sky. And I think Gable is hit with a feeling that like I, I like and Liz, you can tell me whether or not this is true. I have to imagine that especially now, within the past year of their life, Gable has looked back at the last 200 years as wasted time a little bit as like, I have not been learning as much as I wish I knew right now.
3: Oh yeah. There's a tremendous amount of regret. And I feel like Travis sort of did the same thing where so much of their time was spent hiding, being afraid and, Just attempting to just exist with the knowledge that existence was forever and pointless. And I think they feel a little bit of regret, but also melancholy at not no longer having that time in their life anymore. Because the moment that they started caring about things is the moment where they... (laughs) The, the, the things started to get hard. And like, when you open yourself up to the realities of who you were as a person in the past, you can either move on and say like, okay, I'm just going to do better. I'm going to be better. Or you can just stick and be constantly beating yourself up. Like, I hate the person who I was. I regret everything. And they're not there yet. They're still very much like, I I don't know how to be better yet.
2: And I think all of that coming to a head is exactly as you pointed out earlier, you need something to switch it off, mm-hmm. to focus it away. Um, and I feel like you'll that, that that this is where you're you're heading to the the captain's office. I just wanna know what is it like for Gable moving through, you know, the halls of the Uhuru to, to get to the captain's quarters.
3: Well, first they do they sweep their boot over all the dust hmm. to hide the map they're making and then they make i think they're kind of in the the bowels of the ship so they're making their way up stairs and trying to clock as many people as they can and how everyone's feeling after this truly exhausting moment in the (laughs) moment in the woods but also most of us don't know what happened to the rest of the crew and what what they went through
2: i am gonna draw a luminary for the crew of the Uhuru right now because I can see, I can see morale landing in a lot of different directions right now. <laughs> All um, of the,
0: most of those directions being low.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
3: I... or they're like, yeah, <laughs> hell yeah, we yes, exactly. This could oh my be, God.
2: <laughs> yeah, we've uh, yet again the Uhuru has survived against impossible odds.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, you can only do that so many times. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. Yeah, the loom. Okay. The loom is. Toil, obligation, and sacrifice. So I kind of think the overall feeling that the crew has right now is tired. Um, The core of the loom truly is sacrifice for a thing that you love. And the question that I had more than anything else is, how did they view the fact that all of the loss that they suffered was probably for travis you know like people died people suffered like we we only know what horrors were experienced by a few members of the crew and you know the captain's council but everybody was in those woods everybody could have encountered green hearts everybody could have had the deepest fears within their hearts and their minds red front for them and played out for them uh, in like a sickening puppet show controlled by the forest queen herself and i think what we're learning here from the loom is this is how the crew of the uhuru behaves when somebody in their number is in trouble they work to help that person even if it costs them things and although that they signed up to do that and like it is it is idealistically like the thing that they are committed to, it's also a really hard thing to do. So it's a victory, but it's a hard-won victory. There are no revels. There is no celebration. There is the solemn nod of people who are doing their duty. And they are now, after that duty, breathing. But breathing with tension, as currently the ship is is still trying to escape the grasp of the Forest Queen. And especially right now, that means climbing to higher and higher altitudes. It is getting colder, and the air is getting thinner.
3: So Gable's very single-minded, and I think they come up to the captain's door pretty quickly. How, I, I don't remember, how much do we know about the captain? right now so the whole crew knows that he's alive now
2: yeah, yeah. i think like I, I think especially because the whole crew knew that he was dead um seeing like there there's one thing of like seeing orimar as dreft's magnificent like uh a trick played on everybody um being like a very convincing like you know animatronic that uses a real human body versus seeing a living and breathing man. Um, and I think because everybody had that knowledge, it might be obvious to most of them, or at least those who have the keenest eyes that, yeah, the captain's alive now. And I think to Gable, probably with your angel stuff, I think you can, I think you can tell definitely, but actually I'll leave that. You know what? I'm going to leave that to Mm. Nathan. Nathan, how many people know that you're alive?
1: Uh, uh, I, I like the idea of when Oromar was moving down the corridor to his office and they were passing by people and not responding to them. There may have been a couple of people who encountered the captain on that walk and just kind of noticed that his skin was not as ashen as before. Mm. You know, the, the the way that you can visibly tell if, uh, if uh, someone is a corpse or not. <laughs> it's
3: like, ooh, that's not I, a dead person.
1: I feel like that probably like that
0: spawns like uh, a chain of thought in maybe like probably more than half of the crew where it's mm-hmm. like, oh my god, that means he was. Wow, I didn't oh. see that for six oh. months. Mu- Whoa! Wait, Whoa. A, am I stupid? Yeah, I am I guess I stupid? Guess in a certain
1: way, especially since he's definitely not wearing his hat. He used to wear his hat a lot specifically to obscure his face and make it harder to tell. Um <laughs> And walking through this hatless uh, and I guess to some people's eyes carefree of that space, I suppose he looks like an entirely different person. The way his mm. body has carried himself uh, I guess literally and metaphorically under this circumstance was not as how he behaved before.
3: So I think Gable has some idea mm-hmm. at this point because we had that talk with Travis on the deck, but mm-hmm. not knowing exactly what. So before they knock on the captain's door, they pick out an orphan who they know is going to the kitchen and bend down and say, hi, uh, what's your name? "Uh, uh it's it, It's Gwen. Gwen, oh, Gwen! I'm so sorry. I I didn't remember. I'm that's that's completely on me. It's fine. My you've been busy.
1: We've all been busy.
3: I know. Well, we've we've all been busy, and you've been very brave. She from looks what haunted I can
1: when she when she says busy. <laughs> <laughs> One okay. considers what she could kind have of ran into in the forest for a while.
3: And uh, the, seeing that thousand-yard stare, I'm going to make this. Hey, I have a quick question for you. Uh, the captain might need some things i was wondering if you could go to the kitchen and get us a water skin and a bowl of fruit potentially and while you're there i want you to get anything that you might have and put it on my you know my tab i'm sure we have tabs right
1: there is a there is a pause as she considers what options that might be
3: am i allowed to get some chocolate gable of course, you're allowed to get chocolate, any chocolate that you might like.
1: There is a very thin smile, but she's genuinely pleased. Uh, yeah, uh, r- right away. Uh, I, I, I'll knock before before entering. But... Please,
3: thank you so much. And uh, Gwen, I'm committing it to memory, your face is Gwen, mm. Gwen. <laughs> She has, Gwen.
1: I, 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 I'm I, picturing Gwen. Uh, for some straight, she, she has quite light hair and a very dark kind of Alice band that's holding the hair back. Um, yeah, uh, right, right away. Um, uh, uh, hopefully,
3: hopefully the captain's okay. Yes, that, hey, the captain is as okay as any of us. So. That makes sense.
1: That, that yeah. makes sense. Right. So then we're definitely going to need chocolate then. And she turns heel and like patters away down down the corridor. Great.
2: Excellent. And Gable heads towards the captain's quarters then. I would like to cut back to Jonet, Um, Tyler, there's one thing that I thought about, um, and I do want us to remember it as one of Jonet's abilities. Uh, And is probably like one of the only things that you you might be able to do now uh, faced with all of the stuff that you are thinking through. And that is Jonnet recently unlocked the ability of texting, which is he can write a message on a feather and send that (laughs) feather to a person. So (laughs) I feel like. Yeah. Like, as you, like, look through the forest and, like, you can tell me if you want to actually be looking for something and we can probably, like, draw a luminary for that or whatever. But, like, you could also probably get a message to your sister or your father or or your mother or what have you. Um, I just want us to remember that Jonnet has this ability before you do something and then go to join Gable and the captain.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, I feel like... Yeah, I, I, I think it's I think he is looking for because in, in my head, we are like we are hovering over like just a unrelenting like like sea of trees. And I think John is looking for anything that could be like like interpreted as a landmark or as like a, a break in the trees, or, you know, best case scenario, like uh, like. The you know the tree line stops far off in the distance and it's like oh there that's where we go anything other than just like dense unending unrelenting trees of more or less the similar height. Um, right. Well,
2: for that we got to draw luminary fair <laughs> for sure. Okay, and for that we get the whale. Um, the whale uh, or the leviathan stands for revenge. Irony and fate, I don't know about you, but to me, that suggests there's no variation, yeah, and like yeah. that's the thing that's infuriating. This is completely impenetrable. This is the power of a luminary,
0: I think that's like if to someone who uh like to someone who hasn't been like watching the the uh the trees uh for as long as Jonet has. It's like, you wouldn't even think about it. It's like, okay, it's a lot of trees. We're in the domain of the forest queen. Like, okay, like something's going on. But it's like, the more you, like the more you, the more time you spend with it, the more you realize like, these trees are damn near the exact same height. Like, there's no way that like, these could all have been planted and and germinated and grown exactly at the same time. But it's like, it's almost like level, like yeah. what the like this is the more you notice it the more maddening it becomes and so then i think there's a moment where it's like where it just out of frustration he like he collapses the telescope and then maybe just like squats in the like takes a seat in the crow's nest and and he goes to like put the 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 telescope in his bag and then that's when he realizes like feather. Oh, my God, the feather. He immediately like springs into action. Like, oh, my God. uh, He like pats himself down for like, you know, some kind of writing utensil. And he's got like some ink and like he's got like uh, a sphere equivalent of like a paper clip. It's not like a proper pen, but it's enough to dip <laughs> the ink into and like and like scroll. So I think he writes out. Oh, man. Uh, I feel
2: like it's old school texting rules. It's like 140 characters or something like that.
0: Hella abbreviated, which means to me, that means like he's sending it to Zana. Um, Mm -hmm. And so uh, he essentially, it's like, it's, (laughs) it's truly like, where are you at? Um, And so (laughs) like he, he scrolls that out and, and like, and then he realizes that if he were to get this to Zana, like. He would he need to like provide some kind of like where am I? And so he gets up and he looks around and that's when he takes in again the just like the even, plain, flat, and it's like, I have no way of communicating where the hell I am. Um and so he's just like, Where are you at? We are in the sky, look up. Uh sorry, can't can't be more specific. John <laughs> <laughs> uh, And so like uh, oh jeez did we already establish how this works because I assume it's just some like like he's gotta like either focus on Zana he's gotta like say Zana's name or something like that and then like uh, and then he uses this as an opportunity to like release a little bit of frustration because even though it's a feather he just like cocks back and just like hurls it <laughs> <laughs> and then it just like I assume it just starts like float, yeah <laughs> um, and so I guess he, he, he kind of, it floats down, maybe like, it floats down below the crow nest so he can't even see, like, the magic that w- is within it to, like, get to the person. He's just like, well, I guess I've done all I can do now. Um, and so he just, like, just sits back and, and now I think he's just, like, very, very, uh, uh, not manically, but, like, nervously, like, Extending and retracting the telescope. He's just, he's just, he just is trying to make the kr- 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 sounds just to like be doing.
1: Mm.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like actually, like opening and closing uh, the telescope with a tick like that, the thing about that is it is a rhythmic thing that has a very regular rhythm. Yeah. And I feel like. That is the sort of thing that helps Jonet step a little bit beyond his brain and his emotions right now, um, to like know that he needs to clear his head. Very much in the same way that Gable knew that they needed to clear their head. Yeah. Yeah. And I think.
0: Yeah. Go ahead. I think with that, it's like it. It is like a. And then. I think there's, you know, there's like a a level of groove that like one kind of like starts to fall into and then you look at and then like you look and like his his toe is starting to tap in a in a in a like on the the ones and the threes and so like he is like sort of like settling into this little bit of like a rhythm and there's like a little bit of a rocking back and forth and then I think with that I guess we're going to he's going to like you know, try to like summon and, and open up his eye because, like, you know, his, the, the, the mortal plane that he's on right now isn't giving him much. <laughs>
2: Ooh, that's, that's fascinating. I love that. Do you have an idea of a specific thing that you want to accomplish by opening your eye or a question that you're trying to answer?
0: I think it is like, it's like, it's part just like, this feels uh, a little uh, uh, futile. But he's still going to like keep Zana in mind. Actually, no, he's he sent the feather to Zana. So he's going to try to like think of Douglas and try Mm -hmm. to like, if I were to try to plot a course or if I needed like a beeline to this person, where does the divine light point me towards?
2: Oh gosh, I love that. And I am drawing now what I get is the soldiers. And the soldiers are death, deception, and memory. Um, so dref? You are tr- <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Drefception?
3: Drefception.
2: deception, That's when you put Dref inside somebody's dreams instead of removing him from <laughs> oh my, dreams. i inside a dream. I had a, such a neurotic dream. It <laughs> <That> was stressful. <laughs> I think... Like, you were trying to plot a course for them using their eye, and I think—well, using your eye. And I think what comes back to you is just how significant and powerful the influence of the Forest Queen is within her domain. Because what Jonnet gets from that eye is the way the universe works. He sees the lines that construct everything, the paths and possibilities. But, like, looking for the specific information within the queen's forest, you look down and lights abound. There are so many different places that your family could be. Mm. Like, the queen can show you a thousand illusions alongside the reality of where these people are um uh,
0: that like i mean that I, I don't know i think this might might fit in line with just like the lore that we have because it's like the the forest can kind of be everywhere yeah and so like so it's like what is what is north south east west if you can be everywhere so it's like if you're trying to pinpoint like to go to a specific location like if you're if you're out of uh i guess a tangible like place then where you need to be is everywhere and so it's just like a bunch of like just firing off lights and it's just very it's like information overload so okay so yeah i think it's like it it it's that where it's like i Great. I didn't need another I didn't need more confirmation that I don't know where I am. And and it's uh, uh yeah, the a level of frustration with like being given so many different answers that Jonah is just going to very like without even thinking of like how it's going to hurt him, he just like knocks his head and just like closes his eye with like the slap on on his own forehead to like shut shut it all up. <laughs> shut up <laughs> and so I yeah and and then and then he kind of pieces it together was like man I don't even want to be in this crow's nest anymore but I took over the shift from Gwen so now I'm just kind of stuck up here and and like yeah he's just he's just
2: he's still I think you can signal for a shift change you know <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey you, yeah. yeah get up here it's your it's your turn
3: Re- really really I, you let me go to the crow's nest.
0: <laughs> and then, and then John, takes stock in this present Oh, this is like, this is like a ten year old.
3: <laughs> they say I'm not supposed to go above eight feet above the ground because I'm always falling. But no, I say no. if I you go, you find
0: up, you find someone two to four years older than you, and you send them <gasps> up here.
3: But but you just said you need someone right now. You said it right now. You need I, to get down and do not question a superior, taller
0: officer. <laughs> <laughs>
3: you don't know that you're. You don't know that you're taller than me. You're all the way up there. Your death perception is off. All right.
0: Well, then you climb up here. We'll measure each other, and then I'm. I'm and then you go back down, and you find someone to do this.
3: Okay. 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 I'm gonna. I'm climbing. I'm climbing. I'm climbing. And the person that you see is this extraordinarily beam pole long ten year old who is just <laughs> super skinny, shaking like a leaf, and is so excited <laughs> to be above eight feet off the ground. I'm taller than you, and I'm ready to look out of the horizon. You know what?
0: Fine. Here you go, String Bean. And then he like just tosses up the the telescope, and then mm. like, and then essentially just like slides down the ladder. Just grumbling. Just tall, tall orphans. He's tall. Why are all these orphans that we're letting on the ship getting taller? All right. Back in
3: my day, we had short orphans. Brain. Thank you for remembering.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and we see Jonnet make his way down, like grumbling as he goes. But like, I think there is a grace to following Jonnet who is now so familiar with every inch of this ship he has been here a full year um and not only did he spend time as a stowaway where he had to really study and figure out how to move on a ship like very uh, surreptitiously but he spent time as a star watcher as a member of the captain's council it has become second nature for him to move. And we can see him like move down the lines and the side of the ship. And he feel very easily navigate himself to a place where he'd be able to go directly to the captain's quarters. And I think this is where we, uh, see our three together again. um, I think Gable gets to the captain's quarters first, and we can have a good old fashioned knocking on the door scene. <laughs> Love those. Sky <laughs> We return once again to the long line of applicants in front of the Skyship Uhuru. Someone uh, hobbles off the line and presents themselves uh, to the auditioning uh, review committee. And what what, what does this person look like? This person
0: is, uh, I would say like very precariously standing. Um, He's an (laughs) older, older gentleman, very, very salt and pepper, more salt than pepper. And, uh, He's, he's like, he's got the, he's got like a, uh, a young man's uniform, but he's just like undersized in it. And he's very wobbly. Um, He puts his, um, his application down. He stands back very proudly. And you can see like in his left hand, he's got like a, a a thread of rope that he's just like, you know, just fiddling with every now and again, like he might like, you know, do some finger work and then, like, pull out a knot, but then he'll undo it, and uh, he's just fiddling with it.
1: Mm-hmm. That's my application. Well, uh, yeah. well uh,
3: thank you for your application. Uh, thank your you rep-
0: for steadying the ship long enough for me to get
3: on. i just back here. Do you need a chair? Would you like to sit or perhaps... Uh...
0: Nope. No need. Uh, Tip top shape. I am just getting my sea legs here. (laughs) And then (laughs) uh, the the room tilts ever so slightly, less than a degree. And Marlon, he very uh, clumsily like scoots to the left and then Mm -hmm. rebalances himself, comes back center.
4: Now, if you need a chair, say you need a chair. This is a liability issue at some point. And I don't know Mm. that we can afford another slip and fall accident.
0: I'll have you know that I am an accomplished sailor, and I do not need any kind of help.
3: It's also Mm. worth saying that both slip and fall were fine when when they were stabbed. Very.
4: (laughs) 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 I mean, it it went, it passed right through. It didn't hit any major organs. That's true. But but slip (laughs) and fall sued the ship. That's true.
3: And that's, yeah. that's on us for not having the legal representation we needed. But anyway, Mr. Spike, thank you so much for giving this to us. It seems like you have an extensive experience that we would love to have on this ship. Seafarers
1: mm-hmm. are kind of hard to come by considering uh, most of them tend not to be... Uh- Around these days, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yes,
0: yes. Uh, claimed by claim by time, claimed by the sea, claimed by cowardice, not old uh, Marlin Spike. Uh, I am here uh, because I noticed uh, I was taking a walk down the, the dock and, and I saw your ship and I looked at your ship and I saw the knot securing the ship to the dock. And I was just, well, this will not do. And so I've oh. been retired for about 40 years, but I'm coming out of retirement now. Excuse because- me. Yeah, When did you been retire? Ab- What's that? When did you retire? Oh, about 40 years ago. Um, <laughs> so you've you been out
4: retired of re- for 40 years?
0: Yes, I have. I I'd served uh, I served my crew. I served my team. Uh, uh, we, we ruled the skies for a time, and I decided to hang all that up. Uh, so not you're naked? anywhere
3: from 40 to 120 years old. <laughs> well, no, I, very
1: mean, I mean, yes. Gable, you shouldn't necessarily be so concerned with people being older than expected, all things considered. Especially
4: because Fair we point. could be sued.
1: <laughs> oh, wait. You don't crack either? Y'all don't 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 remember how what you...
4: age and discrimination sued us for. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh
1: or- is uh kind of like well uh i was previously uh gonna be working on going the distance uh but we've had uh people as old as uh 200 working on the ship you know mm-hmm. uh so hey mm. uh no age discrimination nor accessibility discrimination which is why you were able to get on the ship safe and sound mm-hmm. now-
0: well uh uh safe with an asterisk uh coming up the <laughs> coming up the the plank I, I i uh you had the the ropes that were supposed to be your your essentially your guardrails as uh you kind of walk up uh one uh one slipped through and uh and uh came untaught i almost plummeted uh out of the off of the the plank into the dock uh which actually cannot stand i i went and i resecured it uh i did have a oh. double whorlitser knot um Got it in there, it's all good. It's it should be ready to now, go.
4: Now hold on, hold on, hold on. All the knot work that we do on the ship is, is mostly Shibari inspired. So a lot of what we're doing is for show, but it's <laughs> you know, showmanship is what? important. What? This for show? This yeah. is fu- this is function, sir. I did what a is your simple, name? simple I did a simple harness and I finished it off with a monkey's fist. Oh,
0: Absolutely. Uh, what? Who is? Who are you? And are you in a position of authority? And if so, uh, then that is. A
3: I'm spit. <laughs> the scrape, the
4: scrape. Well, spit. I'm
0: Spike, and we do not agree. <gasps>
4: all right all right all right that's it it's gonna come down to a knot
3: off between you and me you just said that your knots are not functional and will slip out very easily this is well, a contest you are sending yourself up to
4: loose. knots are loose enough for the comfort of the tie i that's we cannot <laughs> cut off circulation <laughs>
3: I didn't know that. That's what all of our knots were. This is so dangerous.
4: I'll have you know, sir,
0: that knots need and should only be used for their functional purpose and nothing of the sexual sense or like. Uh, all right? Yeah,
4: how dare you! Well,
1: that's uh, <laughs> that's kind of curious, cause uh, I can kind of tell that what you're wearing, you you yeah. you've got you've got some rope under there, don't you?
0: Absolutely. And so, uh, 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 Spike he pull, he reaches behind his back, and then just starts. as As this conversation continues, Spike is just going to be un- pull, pulling out more and more rope from somewhere behind him. Yes, I've been uh, I accumulate rope. I collected, and then I also uh, weave my own uh, just in case I, I need to do some knotting and uh, in, in a way that I wasn't expecting at the beginning of the
3: day. I- <laughs> Is he getting like thinner as he comes (laughs) up? Yes.
0: Uh, It's starting, it's starting like at his ankles. Like every time you like look back at him at the floor, you're noticing that like. He's getting a little thinner, a little thinner, um but he is not he's not acknowledged now
1: i I know tensions are high, but there's no need to entirely unravel under current circumstances no uh, I,
0: I'll have you know that I am keeping it taut i'm keeping it tight I'm keeping it spooled up okay, okay. Uh, i am just uh I'm just preparing because it's looking like I've got my work cut out for me if all of these knots on this ship are just for show oh I- so
1: you're uh already thinking about what you'll be doing once you're employed, i see.
0: Uh, uh, you know what? That's you have to envision yourself in the position that you want in order to achieve the position. I learned. Do you that read when I, the
3: Secret too? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Look, it's I, canonical
4: that everybody reads the Secret.
0: <laughs> I don't know about you and your crew, but when I finished *Notting*, I picked up *Reading*, and uh, *The Secret* was the first on my list.
3: I just the things that you can speak into existence by just putting your mind to it, mm-hmm. and I think. I've put my mind to spit leaving the ship forever for a long time, <laughs> and I think it's finally happening.
0: Well, I don't know much about this man from Adam, but uh, I, from your knot work, I could say that uh,
1: I'm available. I, whatever his job is, I will, I'm available to do it. So you're, you're telling me that you're available for knotting? <sighs> no, the, the
0: very
4: same. The now, this sounds much captain. better okay captain i know I'm what back i know on what's board. Happening here. i'm back on board
3: <laughs> no i i'm off i'm off the board i'm away from the board i'm throwing the board overboard look
4: look <laughs> when we hire somebody it needs to be the end of this process it has to be the the, the 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 omega of this process no. and whoever we hire has to have a versatile skill
3: set Spike, i need an omega a separate conversation out of just the two <laughs> process about about something else please
0: (laughs) understood um i'm available to start tomorrow
4: all
3: All right right. all right all right
4: can you do a halter hitch
0: a halter hitch (laughs) i've already got that one tied he pulls it out from uh from behind him
4: all right Uh, what about a handcuff knot
0: a handcuff uh he i i've I've got handcuff links he he like pulls up his hands and he's got rope tied around uh securing his uh his cuff links together oh.
1: <laughs> all, right. all right. so uh, able to detain as well we do handle red feathers occasionally and we do need to make sure that they're restrained and not in a fun way spit in a <laughs> we have taken all of their stuff way
4: okay sure fine fine but but a swing hitch. Can you do a swing hitch?
1: A
0: swing hitch? I haven't done that in 45 years, but if I had to guess, I'd say, actually, you go under with the loop and through and punch it <laughs> in
2: the eye.
0: Okay. How about that? Yeah.
2: Okay, you got you got a swing and that, hitch. And got... that,
0: will, that will support at least up to uh, 300 pounds. 300 pounds just from this one knot. All fine.
4: Right. Fine. Have you ever- What about- what have you, about? Have
0: you ever done a sheet bend? A
4: sheet bend?
0: A sheet bend knot?
4: What's, what's a sheet bend? Because <laughs> I, I, I've done, I've done what you said, but it wasn't a
3: knot. Spit! I am did so you bend upset. Over some at you sheets? right now? Did you
2: bend over some sheets? <laughs> you don't want me to describe what I did. <laughs>
0: all right, all right, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. You know what? I, I'm, I'm coming to think that uh, if I'm going to be on this ship and this. Officer is also going to be on the ship. I don't know. I don't know. There might not look, be- look, a- look, 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 look. So this <laughs> the
1: ship is quite large. It could hold 200 <laughs> and them to them people. So, you know-
0: Edidum, Two hundred editor. You heard the number I said.
1: Don't question it. Um, So you know we're we're able to go and post you somewhere where it won't be in a circumstance where your where your rope work will be in a compromised position. For example, uh, we have the likes of Slam, who is shirtless all the time, but has no Mm -hmm. concept of anything. Uh, to do with the work that you're currently doing it sure or in won't general.
4: fit on the boy uh you know we've we've tried we, he needs a special prescription shirt and it's very far away where you have to pick it up
1: uh likewise we have in the general like uh rigging of the ship mm-hmm. um where obviously your knots will come in in close ha- uh quarters in mean, quite handy and uh there is no room up there uh for any of the uh concerns that you have although i do suppose suspension play is a thing anyway um well
0: that actually get brings
1: me to an interesting point because I, i would be
0: open to being on this ship while spit is also on this ship uh but i i would actually like to put it in my contract um that I reserve the right to uh, hoist myself up from uh, roof scaffoldings at any point in time to uh, get myself out of the way if, if spit might be around. So if I were to be on this ship, just know that at any moment in time, I could be above you. Uh, <laughs> just just hanging out. Just It could be out of personal preference. It could be because I don't want to talk to you. But just know that no matter where you are on the ship, I could be right above you
4: you could be Hmm, i I don't know suspension stuff is usually a hard limit for me but now i'm thinking i'm reconsidered okay it is absolutely not sexual i'm open to some kind of enemies to lovers scenario or enemies to enemies who fuck sometimes scenario (laughs) or or some kind of scenario where we're enemies and then that tension simmers for a long time enemies, and we sort but of and, allies, and eventually I'm... it circles around to lovers at some point i just i feel like that's an
3: energy that we could sustain i'm a yes it's going to be a yes for me i'm so frustrated by this conversation i'm going to lean right here against this woven uh, guardrail that we have over a porthole next to wherever we're interviewing people just out of frustration and whoa! Oh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> He'll not <laughs> Oh, <laughs>
2: That's
3: careful, yes. careful. Watch yourself now alright? I would Give be two more days, than happy I'll... to have you constantly Mission Impossible <laughs> 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 So that's two yeses, Captain?
1: I do believe that this is a third yes
0: all right. And um, uh what's uh what's the deal with this uh young young man with peanut butter in his mouth? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's great. Shot <laughs> holds up a th- uh, a thumb. All right. <laughs> a-, a unanimous
4: yes.
3: All yeah. right. Well, well I got to well, tell well, my, hold my hold
0: wife up. and eight kids that I am not coming home tonight cuz I'm hitting the sky. Oh.
3: oh no. Oh, oh god. Oh no. <laughs>
0: No, no, no! I've been looking for a reason to get out because life is just too boring. Ooh. But uh, this is great. Oh, no. What's the name of this ship again? Okay.
4: Ah. Uh. Well, why don't we leave it to to our, our young crew member who has just a mouthful of peanut butter to say the name of the ship? And mm. then this. <laughs> <laughs> All
2: right. Yep. Scene. I do love that when Jonathan's not speaking, he's just like a full hand in a, yeah, in a yeah. jar. Winnie, he's Winnie the Poohing. <laughs> <laughs> Campaign Skyjacks is a One Shot Network production. For more information, be sure to follow us on Twitter over at pod for updates about live shows and other events we might be doing. You can find more great gaming shows over at oneshotpodcast.com. Janet Kessler was played by Tyler Davis, who can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Tyler A. Dave. You can stream his short film, Lining, on the Roku app. Gable was played by Liz Anderson, who can be found on Twitter at LizAnderson underscore 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 or on her podcast, Paired. Travis Madigo was played by Johnny O'Mara, who can be found on Twitter at Johnny and Briefs or on his podcast, Bill Buds. Captain Oromar Vale was played by Nathan Blades, who can be found on Twitter at PhantomArtsENT or streaming at twitch.tv slash TheNeonCaster. I am James D'Amato, your host and game master. You can find me on Twitter at OneShotRPG or on my podcast, OneShot. The original music featured in this podcast was written, composed, and performed by Arnie Parrott. You can find him over on Twitter at Arnie Parrott. Or on his website, ATP Tunes. This episode was edited by Allie Grauer, who can be found on Twitter at dreams to become or on her podcast, Skyjack's Courier's Call. Our logo was designed by Fiona Shea, who can be found on Twitter at Lunarum. The world of Sphere was inspired in part by the music of the Decemberists and Illimat, produced by Together Studios. This show was made in part by using a modified version of the Genesis role playing system designed by Sam Stewart and a team of talented professionals. There are no kings. Take flight.
3: Health to the strangers who've ever been kind And once for our friends near to rise Twice to the dearest
1: we're leaving behind Who you know we can never deny The call of the sky